What's up, y'all? This is Michael from the 100 Club Podcast. Welcome to season two. I wanted to take a pause and say thank you. The support for the show has been phenomenal, and I'm excited to continue to bring more content by talking to leaders in the space. And since day one, I've wanted to bring on the industry's best to talk about the ways that we are creating positive sales cultures, positive change in the industry, and in turn, creating real results. Sometimes that comes in the form of occupancy. Sometimes that's healthier margins and even can lead to stronger employee retention. I always want to hear from the people that listen to the show and those that are listening clearly want to take their game to the next level. So if you have any questions or thoughts or even suggested topics, I'm here for it. So reach out to me. It's 100clubpodcast at gmail.com. That's 100clubpodcast at gmail.com. Fire away with your thoughts. So without further ado, let's jump into it with our next guest. All right, welcome to the 100 Club podcast. I am your host for today's episode, and this is a very, very special episode because we are hosting the Maggie Siebold, who is the VP of Customer Insights here at Welcome Home. So Maggie, before I I jump into it too much, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and, you know, love to support Welcome Homies, so especially excited. It's good. Um, And we were joking about it earlier. We've had some technical difficulties, but also um, I'm going to be posting this on video for anybody of those that can see it. And so if you can are watching this right now, uh, you'll see that there is um, a whiteboard right behind me. And I thought it was so smart because I wrote, when you were looking at the podcast or you're looking at the, the picture, it actually does the inverse of it. And so Maggie so politely took a picture of me and blasted me in front of everyone at Welcome Home saying that I can't spell data when I was just trying to be cheeky and spell it backwards. So it was rightly reflected. So thank you for that, Maggie. <laughs> It was a cute little moment. <laughs> Thank you. That. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Much appreciated. So Maggie, we're, we are super po- fortunate to have you. Um, our customers are super fortunate to have you. You bring a different level and a much more dynamic thinking to, we've aggregated all of this information. So since the conception of Welcome Home since 2019, uh, been working with um, a good group and a good number of communities, but now it was time to say, hey, we've got the data. How do we aggregate it? How do we uh, really make it more palatable for uh, our operators to actually be able to action on it? And so I would love for you just to be able to give just an overview of what you're doing here at Welcome Home. Sure. Um, and, and we can jump in it from there, but I'll let you take the stage. Yeah, thank you. Um, So I joined Welcome Home in October. So, you know, it feels like yesterday, but it's it's actually been a minute now. And, you know, since I I got here, um, we've been working really hard, as you mentioned, to build what we're calling our customer insights function. And the the whole point of this branch of Welcome Home is to harness the data that we sit on top of that sits behind the CRM and package it and use it in a way that is helpful for the customer. So, you know, 
this year in review report. It's our first meaningful aggregated data report for um, data over 2022, but it it really is signaling just the starting point for our data efforts here at Welcome Home to support customers. You know, we're hoping to release further series on reporting, you know, quarterly case studies, and then also start to deliver more tailored reporting to each of our customers and build data tools into the product as well, just to make data increasingly accessible for all of our customers and for the industry at large. So really excited to be doing this. And especially on, on this team, Welcome Home is a fabulous group of people and genuinely care about the industry. So it's it's been really fun. Yeah. So we're, again, I think that this is exciting times, but then also uh, it's not every day that I get to wake up and get super excited to talk about data. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I you know woke up, uh, got a good workout in. And I was like, man, this is going to be a good day because I get to talk about data and the year in review report. <laughs> so, so I make light of it, but I think that it is important as a sales director, um, as a regional, as a VP to quote, know your numbers. And sure. I think this is what the year in review really puts in front of operators because sometimes I mean you probably hear this constantly and this is something that I felt as a sales director sometimes it can feel isolating being on your island you don't really know what you're compared to you don't know what you're up against you don't know am I on track what's the benchmark looking like and so is that some of what the year in review encompasses is it talking more about the trends and some of the things that I'm talking about yeah, so the year in review is really just a look at across the industry, you know, what did occupancy look like over the year? What did the sales funnel look like over the year? And what were some of the winners doing over the year that was differentiating differentiating from a conversions and activity standpoint, as well as diving into just the landscape regarding inbound lead sources and, and what that looks like in 2022 as well. And to your point, a lot of the intention behind this report was, yes, to release benchmarks as something just to contextualize performance for our customers and for the industry, but also specifically for the sales director, just to start to share best practices, given that it can be an isolating role to your point. And we're, we're entering a really interesting time in the industry where, you know, change is becoming the new norm. We have to stay on top of our data. We have to use the tools that we have at our fingertips. And as a technology company, it is our responsibility to make these, to make this data and these tools, you know, seamless and accessible and something that is easy to adopt at a tactical level. So, you know, year in review is just introducing, introducing some of the data that we're hoping will enable sales directors to feel confident in doing their jobs and day-to-day -day work. And also just you know, give themselves a pat on the back if they're doing really well or like deliberately find opportunities to focus on over the next three months. We're really hoping that this is usable as a tool. Yeah, that's what I'm most excited about because you have the data, now we can action on it. And if yeah. you're a sales director, you're like, okay, great. What what do I need to be doing? So I think this is a good uh, stage or, or we've set the stage a little bit about the, the year in review report. I'm excited to jump into it. So if you're okay with starting to drill into kind of how it's uh, broken down, what it looks like, you know, um, what you're seeing in terms of the occupancy trends, and maybe even some of the, like the things that you guys have uh, subgrouped or or uh, put it into separate different groupings and how that's broken out. Yeah. So like I mentioned, 
you know, the report looks at occupancy at the top level, we look at the sales funnel, and then we go into activities and lead sources. And, you know, starting at the top, we've seen like many other publications industry, the industry rebound from an occupancy standpoint over the past year. You know, if you compare January of 2021 to December of 2022, there's been a 17 point gain in occupancy across the industry, which is really exciting. And then in addition to all that, we're seeing stabilizing volume of new leads. We're seeing more activities across the board, and we're seeing a change in the landscape when it comes to where leads are coming from. I think what is really differentiating about this report and something that we really cared about was we worked really hard to pull out that group of winners in the landscape of communities and dive into what they did specifically to drive success. So this became some more tactable and usable at a day-to-day -day level. Um, so when we think about the customer groups in the reports, we look at, you know, communities across the board. We look at, so what we're calling the industry standard, which are really just communities on welcome home. We look at what we call stabilized, which are communities, you know, that are pretty firmly above the 90s from an occupancy standpoint. And then we look at this group called biggest movers, which our, or, a, or our dynamic group, which are communities that saw significant growth in occupancy over the year, you know, more than 1.5% month over month growth in occupancy. So these people are really moving the needle. It does not include lease ups. So throughout the report, we work to understand what those communities were doing differently and, you know, make some tactical recommendations about how these same behaviors can be adopted at the community level. Yeah, I think that's important to note because we were talking offline and there are, if you're sitting, you're listening to this, everyone is so unique. We wanted to take into consideration those lease up communities because obviously they're going to be experiencing different conversion ratios and different occupancy trends as it relates to the ones that are already stabilized. And so I think it's important to isolate uh, those communities and then also uh, show what those top performers are doing in order to mm -hmm. get to the the nineties percent, the ninety five percent, and you know the the hundred club podcast is is intention right is to to get that hundred percent with the wait list. And so, um, just out of curiosity, just from a very high level, what have you mined and what have you seen that those top movers are doing, and what type of activities? Because I think I, th I thought it was pretty staggering. Because it's it's not like it's a crazy amount of difference. It's just the small yeah. subtleties. It it really is. A, it, I mean, I guess the headline message is a little bit does go a very long way. Um, when we dug into that dynamic group to see what was going on, you know, they're getting more leads on average than any other group. They are converting them at better rates, and you start to wonder what's driving that success and. It really does come down to activities, but not all activities. So in the report, we look at total activities on average completed by each uh, customer group. And if you look at total activities, it's actually interesting. The dynamic group performs less or fewer total activities than some of the other groups. So fewer than those top performers, fewer than the industry average. But then when you look further down at what we would call core activities, you know, things like calls, emails, texts, explicit touch points with a prospect. 
they're doing disproportionately more of those. So what that tells me is these sales directors are being really efficient with their time and they're using their time to connect personally with prospects, learn about them, and really be deliberate about figuring out how to get them from the beginning of the funnel to that move-in stage. One other really interesting thing we saw in the data had to do with planning. You know, planning is one of 20 different activities you can log in Welcome Home. But when we looked at the total activities completed over 2022, planning didn't really make up a, a large percentage of activities completed at all. In fact, it was less than 1%. But what we did see is for those that did plan, their occupancy was significantly higher than the industry. Um, off the top of my head, I believe it was 92% compared to 76 for the overall year average. So very significant difference. And, and really, it comes down to taking the deliberate time to think about how you're going to manage a specific lead. So a lot going on that drives success for those dynamic players. But to your point, Michael, it really is, you know, a little bit does go a very long way. I think if you if, if anybody takes anything from this conversation, I think that is a huge takeaway because when you're talking about is something that doesn't look sexy, doesn't necessarily add to the bottom line per se, uh, mm -hmm. but it is, it, it's the planning and intentionality. And I always, I'm, I'm such a sports nerd, but I always relate things back to sports. And if, what do the best leaders and what are the best players do before games? They look at the, the highlight tapes, they look at the, the, their competition, they really review, they really analyze what, all is going on and how do I best prepare for this tour, this game mm -hmm. ahead? And again, it's that 15 to 20 minutes that you take that you can actually uh, really key in on some things that can really separate you. Cause think about, and, and maybe I'm not speaking, I'm, I'm not saying anything uh, very groundbreaking, but you're talking to people that are are touring five different communities or have uh, done research on several different communities. It's the fact mm -hmm. that you are taking the time to plan and prepare that it might be one point of differentiation that, you know, this person really had um, really loves dogs, right. And just being able to really mm -hmm. proactively talk about your pet policies and how you're pet friendly within the community. But mm -hmm. if you are, flying by the seat of your pants if you are trying to to get all these tours in and all these calls and you don't take the the time to actually plan we're talking about i mean again don't want to take that empirical evidence and su suggest that you're going to be at 92 percent no matter what but that's right a 17 percent a 16 percent delta between occupancy of people that are doing it versus not mm -hmm. well i think it I think it comes back to the the central idea of sales and senior living, which is every sales process is unique, vulnerable. There is a person with needs and preferences that sits behind it. It can't be a uniform process. And things like planning, things like follow-up, spending that specific thoughtful time to figure out how to best manage that person, given what you know about them or the, the channel that they reached you in, can make a huge difference when it comes to making them feel confident in their choice and moving into your community.
Yeah, no doubt. I think that's um, that's super interesting. And then as far as the other things that you guys are covering on the the report, I thought another interesting facet was that that length of stay and the lead sources. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're listening to this and um, you're thinking about, all right, well, what type of lead sources should I go after? Which advertising and what external business development do I need to really be placing for my team? I think what Maggie is about to say, I, I think you kind of need to, to key in on because it's it's fascinating stuff. So Maggie, you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. Let me actually pull up the report for this one just to to make this a little bit more <laughs> easy to visualize. Um, all right. Let's Please make. do not be viewing this if you are in the car. This is not safe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Hopefully it takes us. Okay, great. Um, okay. So when we think about where leads came from in 2022, it probably isn't news to many of you listening that we're seeing more and more leads come from online and aggregator lead sources. This is a new reality for many of us in the space, and these types of leads need to be managed differently than some of the more traditional um, routes that we've historically seen, like professional and non-professional referrals and advertising, for example. So just to set the stage, when we, when we look at inbound, again, aggregators and online making up the large majority of where these leads are coming from, when we look at move-ins on the right-hand side of the page, they still make up close to half, but then you start to see sources like non-professional and professional referral really starting to pull their weight in terms of comprising the total set of move-ins. What we do see in the next couple pages is that it takes very different types of work to drive a move-in from each of these sources. So jumping in, starting at the top, we have the different lead sources on the left-hand side, and then we've got how many activities it takes to move them in. It takes, we have the average length of sales cycle and days, and then we have the length of stay. So starting at the top with aggregator lead sources, what you see here is it just takes a flurry of activity over a short period of time to drive a move-in from an aggregator lead. What you also see is they tend not to send, stay very long. Alternatively, if we're looking at professional and non-professional referrals on the bottom, much fewer activities, but over a much longer sales cycle. Um, and these do end up staying for quite a bit longer. So a lot to unpack here, <laughs> yeah. but basically the top line message is you can't approach someone who's coming in from an aggregator source the same way you would approach someone who's coming in from a professional referral. There's a much different strategy and approach to dealing with these different types of leads. And it takes awareness and deliberate planning about your goals to be successful and driving move-ins in a very strategic way, given how different it is to manage these leads in the environment we're in today. Yeah. So if you're looking at this, I, I, I would pull over if you're driving, look at this, and then really try to soak in what you're looking at because we're seeing aggregator leads right here. The activities per move in, you're talking about 183 activities that your sales team is is placing effort for. For then 
the result is yielded 260, typically 262 days of length of stay versus 23 activities per move-in for a length of stay of 481 days. And so, again, we were talking about this uh, earlier. It really depends on what you're going after. Everyone's business model is going to be unique. So you could take this for what it's worth and you could say, you know, if, if we really like being able to um, have shorter length of stay so that you can have more of the community fee uh, model of adding that price uh, as you go along, if that's more successful in your business, you know, your, your top line revenue, great. But if you're looking for, and, and, and this is from my standpoint, if I'm looking at this all day, I'm looking at non-paid professional referrals and that's where I'm placing my effort because, and this is where I personally think that we should be placing effort. Um, one, if we want our sales directors to be at the community for a long time, this is an easy way for them to say, hey, you're going to experience your success long-term. It's going to be easier for you. It might be harder in the front end. And we can talk about the activities that we're, we're looking at, at for non-paid professional referrals, but it's going to be easier for you on the, the back end to start developing these relationships with non-paid referral places, your doctors, your hospitals, your elder law attorneys, uh, to be able to get such a good length of stay. I think this is fascinating and this is going to be super helpful for many operators to be able to look at this, digest it and say, maybe we need to, to pivot. Maybe we need to look at a mm -hmm. different way of, of marketing ourselves. Are you seeing that at all? Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, first the reactions we've gotten to this page and conversations we've had off of it are, are fascinating ones. And we've heard from many of our customers that, they are actively reevaluating the way they approach their lead strategy today, just because there are so many different end outcomes you could be solving for. To your point, Michael, you could be solving for just having a faster move-in cycle because there is, you know, a fee benefit to that. You could be solving for longer length of stay just because it's a little bit more stable and ultimately you want your units filled for as long as possible. Another thing to be thinking about with this too is just management of your sales director's time. You know, what what we were actually releasing a case study on lead source management in the next few weeks that gets into this with one of our um with one of the operators on our platform because we're getting so many leads from aggregators today and online lead sources and it takes so much work to move those people in what we often find is that managing those leads becomes an overwhelming majority of a sales director's time to the point where it can become a little bit distracting so rather than you know, spreading their effort across leads from all different sources, they're, they're doing what they can as quickly as they can. And oftentimes that ends up being managing those aggregator and online leads, which end up converting at a much lower rate. So we see here that, you know, online leads across the industry converted 6%, aggregator leads across the industry converted 4%. And this, the way to interpret this is, you know, of total aggregator leads that come in, how, what percent of those end up moving in? So it's an awful lot of work for um, a low yield result in a lot of cases. If you're not thinking strategically about how you manage your time, you know, if you're putting out fires all day, trying to keep up with aggregator and online leads, what you're not doing is developing that professional outreach. What you're not doing is going and meeting doctors, lawyers, to your point, 
what you're not doing is thinking about setting up a resident referral program. And a lot of these things are very high yield. So having a clear strategy and idea of what you would like to accomplish can help a lot when we think about the different ways of managing your time regarding lead sources. Yeah. And I don't, it, it all depends. Everyone's contingent everyone, I've, I've said this a couple of times, but I, um, I am the lowest man on the totem pole. I am not going to tell you how to, to run your business, but this seems pretty straightforward and pretty unique um, in a sense that it it is the highest yield or you you get the, the, the best length of stay from a little bit of harder work in terms of the non-professional referrals. I get that, but it's so important to hit the pavement and to go outside of your community because it is very easy for yourself to get comfortable in the community even get into a routine to talk with the ag aggregator leads and again I, I think it's important to diversify and important if you guys are in relationships with the the national aggregators that's completely fine i think there's a, a time and a place where you're continuing to uh, build and plant those seeds but i think this is this is a, a no-brainer for me and then and then on top of that you're also thinking about when you are touring with with families, prospective families, what is what is easier to sell? I am walking across a community and I'm talking to several people that have been here for several years that can talk at length about how great your your programming is and your dining is. Uh, I think that that's pretty much a no brainer if you're trying to get the people that are there for the longest because people love longevity, both in retention on employees, but then also retention in, in uh, your residents and quality of life. I mean, we're talking about so many things that I find interesting in this, in this one snapshot. So really, really mm -hmm. cool stuff. Um, what? Yeah. yeah. The one thing I just add here is, you know, a knee-jerk reaction to this page would be, I just need to slice my aggregator leads and rededicate all of my efforts to professional referrals, non-professional referrals. Every community situation is different. There is a person behind every single one of these leads. And it's just a question of understanding how to best work with that person to make them have a, you know, a trustworthy experience and move in. I mean, for with aggregators, we know there are tools in Welcome Home, for example, that automate outreach and emails. We have, you know, bulk emailing, all sorts of other features, mobile app to make speed to lead faster. Anecdotally, we know that the first person to reach out to an aggregator lead is often the one who closes that lead. So if if this is where the majority of your leads are coming from, they're, you know, they're people too. And there are tools in your systems to better meet the requirements to give that person a comfortable experience and really show them the full depth of your community. Um, and create a comfortable sales pro process. So, you know, there isn't a right or wrong answer on this page. The other thing I will say too, is when it comes to professional and non-professional referrals, I mean, that is a really, really long length of sales cycle. So what becomes very important is if, if you are going to refocus energy on these two areas, you have to build your bench and mm -hmm. you have to be comfortable yourself, your supervising team, you know, all the way up to the C-suite and understanding that you know, results look different over time, especially if, especially if you're thinking about, you know, cutting back on aggregator and online, you need to allow for that patience and time for a new strategy to set in. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to digest on this page and I am not for any given approach over another, but, but, 
it, it take, I think the takeaway for me is at the community and operator level, it is becoming necessary to, to do the thought exercise around what, what my strategy is and why. Mm -hmm. And given that, what is the training? What are the systems I need to support those things to just ultimately drive a positive sales, sales experience for every prospect that is in the funnel? Yeah, no, really, really well said. And I think this also highlights exactly to piggyback is to, to, not place all of your eggs in one basket is to, yeah. to make that approach super diverse. And that way, uh, everything will, will align appropriately. And I think, uh, the more that we are able to collect this type of information, I think that that's the exciting part, right? Is that we're able to continue to, to collect these trends to see if it's continue to trending this direction, or if there might be a different curve, because 2023 might be completely different. So mm -hmm. super excited about that. And then I, I, we kind of bounced over it too. And I'm always kind of interested in, in this type of stuff, but like, what are, like, what is industry standards right now? I should have, I should have. Yeah. Asked that back up. <laughs> You're good. Um, no, it's, it's all good. We've got a lot to cover in this report. I, I would encourage everybody to download it as well. It's, um, it's long. It's, it has 30 pages. So we're not going to hit all of it today, but um, I, it's well worth the time. And I think we'll share the report notes in the show notes. Bear with me here while I try and navigate this yeah. um, PowerPoint. We're having yeah, some it's, stuff. It's a, it is a 31 page report and definitely we'll put it in the show notes because I think if you just want some light reading, you know, on a weekend, whenever you have time, <laughs> just download it, walk through it. Um. It, it really is, it's powerful, powerful information. And right. as, a, ahead, as a teaser, no, I was just, as a teaser, we're, um, what I'm also excited about is that we're going to be having more of these quarterly updates. And I don't, if anybody is listening that has a really good marketing mind, that has a really good name for this type of talk right now, I have data with Maggie, super unoriginal. Um <laughs> 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 We love it. Um, I'll think on that too. I think we've got to do better than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I, I told you, not a creative bone in my body. Not, and I'm going to pretend about it. <laughs> well, you're a creator now, podca podcast energy. Um, so apologies for the chaos getting this pulled up. There's a lot to go through. So we'll just, we'll just do the high level walkthrough. But starting at the top, occupancy, we mentioned rebounding. There, you know, there are also trends at a, a regional level here. So we actually do see the Northeast and the West outperforming the South and the Midwest by a pretty significant margin. So again, part of the intention of the report is to contextualize how you're feeling at the community level. So if you're one of these Midwestern or Southern communities and you're just wondering why it's so, it's more challenging compared to some of your peers in the Northeast, you know, you're not alone, I think is the message I would have here. Um, but, you know, thinking too about, about care types specifically, we've also seen um, uh, independent living leading the charge when it comes to the rebound, ending the year at 82%, which is really encouraging. And then slower growth from memory care and assisted living, but still um, a gradual uptick, which is really exciting. Yeah, that and, and that's what I really appreciate about a report like this <clears throat> is that we are able to parse out the different groups and also see it by different regions. Cause again, 
the, the South operates differently than the Northeast and the Midwest looks different. And so now we're looking at the sales volume. You want to talk a little bit about that right here? Yeah. So thinking about um, what happened in 2022 with the sales funnel, I think the message is we started to see it stabilize and take on some of those regular trends and seasonality. So you'll see this on the, the new leads chart, the new chores chart, and the move-ins chart. We see a gradual tick up over the year and then a a drop in Q4, which is pretty typical across the year. If you wanted to have a benchmark metric, we saw 38 new leads in a month per 100 units, 10 initial tours and 3.7 move-ins. So just putting that number out there for anybody who would like something to compare to. But this to me is a pretty encouraging story that we are starting to see some stability again. Yeah, this is super interesting. I think that this is a good segue into kind of teasing out, um, you know, the next couple of conversations that we're going to have, but this, this report, again, I'm going to put this in the show notes. If you want to go ahead and download it, highly suggest it. Um, and then also we'll, we'll be sending out more reports and we'll also have different things like case studies and other items that you can be able to download, um, that we kind of, again, alluded to, but Maggie, I really appreciate it. Do you have any lasting thoughts or things that you want to leave the folks with? Sure. I mean, I think for me, it's, you know, my, my background is in data and my first six months in senior living have been fantastic. So it's easy for me to be specifically passionate about this space, but throughout going through the process of developing the report, it just became so clear to me and to our broader team that data adoption has never been more important. And we're really excited to support you all in adoption of data and ideation around what data tools are helpful. So Welcome Home's primary philosophy is that we're building for you. We're building for senior living. If you have thoughts on what would be helpful, if you read the report and have reactions or questions, I'm all ears. Please reach out. We want to get your feedback. So, you know, Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and that, we'll be here again on Data with Maggie. <laughs> heck yeah. Until something absolutely gets better, which I'm sure that other creative folks are going to be like rolling in their grave after hearing uh, a yeah. lame, lame, <laughs> lame uh, topic uh, there. So, so I'm excited. We will publish all of this in the show notes. And then also as a teaser or is that not a teaser, but just kind of a preface to this. And again, I should have, should have, I need to be a better podcaster here, but in, in setting the stage of the the activities and the data that we are collecting, I also want to give a plug to Welcome Home because a lot of the the reports that we get from an industry, I know me personally, sometimes I struggle with actually feeling like it is very accurate or mm-hmm. it is, yeah. um, a lot of it's just self-reported. I'll say that. So that's one thing that I really appreciate these reports is that a lot of these activities, a lot of these things are auto-populating and auto-logged for your sales directors. And so the authenticity and the accuracy and the real-time nature of these reports um, are all going to be intact, which gives more credibility to the report and more credibility to the actions that you can uh, place, the actions and energy that you can place upon seeing this type of report. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, did want to give a plug there and Maggie, it was an absolute pleasure to to have you. And until next time, uh, this has been a great episode of the 100 club podcast. 
everyone have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much. Thanks.